We were in a 2016 Z06, and we did 210.1. Shirley, how old are you? Can I ask you that question? Uh, the 17th of July, I'll be 84. The Car Doctor. There's a generation of kids that grew up learning something about cars and automotive history from those Odell's automotive guys. Today's kids wouldn't know what the heck you're talking about. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855 855- Five six zero nine nine zero zero, and boy, am I glad to be here behind this microphone in this studio where it's safe and the door is locked and the outside world isn't bothering me at the moment because um, have I got stories to tell you about this week? But let's uh, get some of the paperwork out of the way first, folks. It's eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The phone number the car doctor's been using for such a long time now. That same twenty four seven number that provides you the ability to call in at your convenience anytime, day or night. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. If we're not on the air, we're live out on the network Saturday afternoons two to four p.m. Eastern time. You can call that eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero and leave a message. And our executive producer, Tom Ray, or our new associate producer, Motorhead Matt, will give you a call back and talk to you and get you in the queue for the following week and uh, get you all lined up and ready to go. You can also find us at cardoctorshow.com. More information there, podcasting there. If you want to subscribe to podcasts, which we appreciate you when you do, you get out to TuneIn, iHeart, or iTunes. And also uh, Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, the newest uh, addition to the podcast family. And you can subscribe there for podcasting and uh, take it with you wherever you want. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you do that. And if you need me during the week, shoot me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that went on in the shop this week. And um, in particular, this one. Oh, thank you very much, everybody. Good evening. A welcome to Who Wants to Be Ronananian. I'm not sure who wants to be Ronananian because you've got to understand what it's like to be in an auto repair shop on a, on a weekly basis. There are highs, there are lows. I'm not sure what this week was. This week was, gee, did I survive? I don't understand, and it's not often you hear me say that when it comes to something automotive, who in the heck is running the Motor Vehicle Inspection Program in the state of New Jersey. It makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. As a matter of fact, if you're going on family vacation, I would encourage you to avoid New Jersey, or at least avoid cars with New Jersey license plates, because they are probably some of the most unsafe vehicles on the road. Case in point. I received notification this week that the state of New Jersey is requiring me, me, to go back to school to be certified in diesels once again i haven't been to class since 2009 with regards to the inspection program to meet their standards so that i can inspect a vehicle plug it in the same way i plug in a gas engine vehicle using the obd2 connector and i get it they want my certification there so that they can see that i can repair that diesel but i've got to tell you there are three diesels we see on a regular basis 
We don't see a lot of diesel work. Diesel is not common in New Jersey. I don't know a lot of local shops that do see diesel at that level. And a gas guy in a diesel class, boy, that's a tough road to hoe to justify that existence, to sit there and actually go to a diesel class for two days and then take a test for something that they're going to see such a limited appeal of. Diesels just don't seem to be growing in the Northeast. I'm sorry. I don't I don't buy the numbers that they're telling us that diesel is this or diesel is that. It just doesn't exist. But here's the kicker, all right? They're beating us up, telling us we have to go to diesel class. And if somebody wants to and send this clip to, I think the governor's name is Christie in New Jersey, isn't he? Well, he's the guy in charge. I'm not sure if that's really the governor. And... You know, I know he goes sunbathing a lot. He's down to the beach recently. I heard that story. And I just don't get it. 1999 Lincoln Continental came into the shop. So here's a regular customer, older customer, and the vehicle needs an oil change, and we're talking about tires and brakes. The dry rot in the tires was so bad, easily an eighth of an inch around the face of the tire. Easily. And to the point that I just didn't want to stand too close to the tire for fear that when the tire let go in the hot sun, you know, where was the explosion going to uh, subside? And how far out would it impact? All four tires equally dry rotted. Good tread, just bad dry rot, unsafe tires. The brakes are so bad, the right rear brake won't turn, the right rear wheel won't turn up in the air. The right rear brake is locked on. This is the insanity I'm dealing with, because the conversation then goes, you need four-wheel brakes, four tires. Yeah, but I only go 2,000 miles a year with this car. Okay, you need four-wheel brakes and four tires. It doesn't matter how far you're going. Listen, the foundation of a safe automobile, I was taught back in the day, and it hasn't changed, goes back to tires, brakes, and suspension. That's it. The air conditioning may be dicey. The heating system may or may not work. And we don't care if the engine runs 100%. We do for other reasons, but for safety, not so much. And his argument is, the car passed New Jersey inspection. How bad could the tires and brakes really be? What he fails to realize, and what the majority of people in New Jersey fail to realize is, your car in New Jersey can have bald tires, bad brakes, Bad, a crack in the windshield, taillights not working, taillights falling out, fenders falling off. The bumper could be half missing. If the check engine light's not on, the monitors have run, and they can plug in, and that vehicle passes inspection from an emissions point of view, you put a sticker on it wherever you can and throw it out the door and let the police department deal with whether or not that vehicle is safe to operate on the road. You don't even need a horn in New Jersey to, to, to have a safe vehicle as far as the state's concerned. And the logic, the logic, I hope somebody sends this to the governor because I want an answer. The logic becomes because people will maintain cars on their own. I don't know about you, but I've come to the conclusion that the motoring public generally doesn't want to spend money on a car unless they're told they have to. I live it every day. Your car needs this, your car needs that. I've got a few people that will walk in the door with a list, and they know who they are by the sounds of this podcast, this radio show when they get it, that will come in with a list and say, Ron, here's the list. Do this, 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 this. Call me when it's done. And it doesn't make sense that we're allowing people to decide when and how to inspect vehicles. You know what? Fine. 
if if you guys want to make it so that nobody in New Jersey has to fix anything unless they're required to from a safety inspection point of view, brakes, tires, and so on, how about a better advertising campaign? How come we don't spend any money on that? How come we don't talk about it in the news? Where's the education that the people of New Jersey deserve so that they realize that the car they're riding next to? I had a 2011 Honda Odyssey, and on Thursday that one brake light worked, the third brake light. That was it. I had to put brake lights. And the vehicle owner, she didn't know. And, you know, not that she would have to, but had she gone to inspection, had that vehicle been serviced regularly, because her next stop, short of the accident that she would have had when somebody ran into the back of her, her next stop would have been the $176 ticket from the police officer for failure to maintain the vehicle. And... I understand that it comes down to dollars and that we're all about, you know, maybe it isn't about safety. Maybe it is about dollars and that we want to get, you know, we want to be able to write tickets and generate revenue. I get that. But we're generating revenue at the expense of people's lives. That's a two-ton missile going down the road at 60 miles an hour. Those brakes fail. That tire blows out. That ball joint lets go. And I've been talking about this for a while. That's somebody's life. That might be my life. That might be yours. So maybe we avoid New Jersey. Maybe cars with New Jersey license plates just aren't safe to be around. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe a letter writing campaign to Trenton. Although the governor's on his way out, I don't see this guy up for re-election. God, if he could run for a third term, I don't think he would get it. Anyway, he's 15% approval rating anyway. But maybe now's the time to call him out on the carpet because maybe the heat needs to be turned up on these politicians that don't have a clue what it takes to properly operate and maintain an automobile. And in turn, make a, make, make a state safe for roads and cars to operate on. So who wants to be Ron and Anian? Heck, that's only one story from this week. It, 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 it just goes on and on and on. And I don't want to tell you everything this hour. But um, over the course of this next hour, we are going to um, talk about, let's see, uh, we had the cop, we had the police in the shop this week. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the uh, gentleman with the two flat tires who was trying to save towing the car and and, and drove in on it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, I just, the, the list goes on. I mean, it's it's like, on top of this inspection program problem, it's almost like, I, I think the loony magnet was turned on this week. You know, the light somewhere said lunatic or loony, and it was just centered around. I had people on Facebook, on my own, and I put this on my own personal Facebook page, because if I put it on the Car Doctor Facebook page, I can't imagine the attention it would get, and I wasn't looking for that. I was just looking to rant a little bit. Um, I had people telling me they want to find out the address of the shop and set up lawn chairs across the street and have a picnic because they want to watch what goes on because they just, trust me, all the stories are true. It's just, it's loony time in a repair shop sometimes, and you just have to be aware of it. So not all the, the grass isn't always greener, and not all that it appears is splendor, um, as we sometimes say. So, so what do you say? Let's do a letter-writing campaign to the governor of New Jersey, and let's start trying to explain it to them. I am actually, I write for a, a, a small trade magazine in New Jersey, New Jersey Automotive, and my column this month is going to be, Dear Governor Christie, please fix the inspection program. And I think that's the approach we have to take. Because this isn't about selling four tires and brakes. This is about keeping the roads, or actually not keeping the roads safe, because right now they're unsafe. This is about making the roads safe again. And that's something that everybody in New Jersey needs to be educated on because it's just 
It's time has really come. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy in the car, doctor. I'm back right after this, baby. Don't go away. Welcome back. She was, why do I feel compelled to say it? That's all, folks. But uh, I guess that'll be the next round. Ron and Andy in the car, doctor, here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and kick the garage doors open while I can, while I still have some sanity, and go talk to George in West Hartford uh, with some questions about driverless cars. George, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. A normal person. My God, thank God. How can I help you, sir? Thank you so much for taking my call, Ron. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I'm visually impaired, so I can't drive. So I am looking forward to a day that maybe I can be in a driverless car and have my independence. Yep, absolutely. That being said, yeah, I, um, you know, I love watching drag racing and, and performance and stuff like that, and you know, like going to a drag strip, like let's say, like uh, English Town, and you know, I really enjoy that. And my fear is, if you're going to have self-driving cars, um, wouldn't they all be the same? I mean, could it? What I'm thinking is you can't modify them. No car is going to be uh, faster than the other by having a better driver. I mean, would that be over? Yeah, you know, George, I never thought of it like that. I think you're right. I think it's over. And I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime, but I mm-hmm. I, I, I think, you know, I think the, the driverless car thing changes a lot of economics and a lot of politics. And and I agree with you. First, let me state this. I think for someone visually impaired, I think for someone like my mom, she's 94. She doesn't drive anymore. She wants to get to the senior center. All right. She takes the senior bus and they, they you know, travel mm-hmm. off to the senior center in different towns. I think to be able to put mom in a car and say, mom, the car's here for you and, you know, take her to and give the address and off they go. I think that's going to be phenomenal. I think for someone that doesn't drive anymore or can't drive, I think to say, you know, to give the kid, you know, $20 and say go to the store and pick up the milk and put the kid in the driverless car and send them and bring them back, I think that's a great thing. I really do. I I question how it will work and the effectiveness of it and the, the, the substructure that supports it. How will we create that? To your question. You know, yeah, they don't have to be nothing. One doesn't have to be faster than the other. The Mustang, Camaro, um, you know, uh, Dodge Challenger wars are over. Right. You know that 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 doesn't exist anymore. That competition is done, and it's it's just about how you know how safe and how uncluttered and how much less traffic can we create to get them there. Will that exist? And 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 that's really what this is about. Now to that point, they say, and I don't know that I believe this. But that if in an all driverless car world, there are no more traffic jams, if you can believe that, there there will probably no, be, be a, a limited need for traffic lights because in, in, an all, in an all driverless car world, some of the studies and some of the, the fantasies I read, and I think that's what they are, they talk about how the cars will communicate with each other and be able to pass through intersections just misses, missing each other by fractions of a second to the point that zip, 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 and, and your commute will be quicker because you won't have stop signs and traffic lights and, you know, but, you know, in a perfect world. All right. Um, I, I guess, yeah. Now, what will that do to the classic muscle cars of 40, 50 years ago, 100 years ago? Right. 
uh, you know, at the time when we start thinking about this and, and, you know, and then you start talking about the economics of it. So let's let's play this out a little bit, George. Let's say let's say it's 50 years from now. I won't be here, but 50 years from now, driverless cars exist. Um, what just happened to the automotive aftermarket performance? What happened to SEMA? What happened to about to say that? Yeah. Edelbrock, Holly, uh, you know, all the performance companies. What where are they? They're gone, and then where, where do all those jobs yeah. go? Where does that where does that part of the economy? And I don't know the exact number. I don't keep it in my head, but you know, I, I hear rumors of is it a, it's a couple of hundred million or a billion dollars. It's it's bigger than a bread box in terms of what the automotive oh, yeah. aftermarket represents to the economy of this country. How will we replace that? Write a check? You know, where's that? Oh, we'll just print more money. Uh, you know, it it. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Now, I don't know that complete driverless cars is what we're after. I don't know that complete hybrid or electric cars is what we're after. I think what we're after is reducing the fleet ten to fifteen percent. So we've got a, a fleet made up of ten to fifteen percent of driverless alternate other than combustion engine vehicles. I think that's the short term and by short term I'm going to guess and say 20 to 30 years out because a lot of a lot of politics and economics have to be worked out. You know, for one, all right, tomorrow the president announces that there'll be no more internal combustion engines allowed to be manufactured in the country. All right? Imagine that announcement. And actually you could almost imagine that announcement. And what does that do to the gasoline companies? All right? You know, I'm sure they've got a little bit of a fuss, and they've got a little bit of juice in Washington with lobbyists in terms of preserving that, and where will that go? And then from a mechanical, you know, the auto repair companies, um, all of a sudden, electric cars. Do you know what? Do you know what electric cars mean to the automotive aftermarket for repairs? How many things don't go wrong in electric cars, and what are you going to do with all these guys that you've now put out of work? Um, all of a sudden, that becomes a problem. So, George, it'll be interesting. It'll be fascinating. I appreciate your insight. But, yes, it will definitely change the way we look at cars in terms of performance and many other factors. So thanks for the question, George, and keep them coming. 855-560-9900. Ron and The Car Doctor coming back right after this. Back, Ron and Andy, the car doctor, riding along here at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's go over and talk to Ron and Fayette, Maine, ninety four Toyota Camry, and some questions and uh, comments. Ron, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, I called you over a year ago about my nineteen ninety four Toyota Camry. It had about three hundred thirty thousand miles on it, and I had this terrible rattle in the trunk, and it sounded as if there were cans back there, something rolling around. Okay. And you suggested, or you said, it's probably the bushings in the rear of the vehicle. Right, sway bar bushings. Right. So I went to the mechanic locally uh, here in Fayette, and uh, he put it up on a rack and uh, changed the bushings, and it ran perfect after that. Great. Good. Yeah, I kind of remember that call. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that was a common problem for those vehicles. So, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and there's always a but. I have another question. Okay, two for a nickel today. <laughs> I um, about a little 
I went to New Hampshire, which is about 175 miles away, one way, and I purchased some new tires. I don't know if I can mention the brand or the yeah, place. Yeah, go ahead. But, sure, yeah. But they were Michelin tires, the premium tires. All right. And it was at Costco. And I've always had great service with them and the tires. And when I left, almost immediately when I got on the interstate, I noticed the wheel was wobbling or shaking, actually. And I thought maybe it was the wind because it was too late to go back and get it repaired. So I came back to Fayette, went back to the same mechanic that I use in Fayette, Great Northern, and they rebalanced the tires. But that didn't solve the problem. Oh. Uh, when I get up around 60 miles an hour, 55, the wheel doesn't shake, but the tires feel like they're bouncing almost. They have a resonance to them. Good way to say well, it. No. They, there's, there's, there's like a low-level vibration you can feel throughout the vehicle. Yes. Okay. So, and, and it's never done that before. Right. And, 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 and I think one of your new tires is bad. And I've got to tell you, one of the things that I noticed, Michelin makes a good tire, but I, I noticed, you know, they're, they're kind of like a thoroughbred horse. They're very high strung and they're very temperamental. And I noticed that, I've noticed this of late, that the failure rate or the unacceptable quality rate, maybe is a better way to put it, of Michelin, seems to be growing. And it's one of the reasons, besides the fact that I think to a large degree Michelins are, are, are can be overpriced. Um, I tend not to sell nearly as many as I used to five years ago. Um, you know, but that that aside, what I would tell you to do is I would go back to your mechanic, and when he looks at balancing the tires, not just are they in balance, but are they look at the tire when it spins on the balancer. Is there any hop to it? In other words, as you're looking at the tire, look at the rise and fall of the tire's outside diameter against its center line. And you will see that the tire, you're going to find that one of those tires is either oblong, it's, it's got a, you know, a hop to it, brrr, up and down, or it's going to have a wobble. Look at the tread as it spins, all right? It's, it's almost like you're going to see some irregularity in the tread, and that's a tire that is either not manufactured properly or the belts weren't you know brought together correctly or it's a problem tire i mean look if the problem wasn't there before then the problem is related to the tires so it's it's one of two things it's either there's something wrong with the wheels which you'd have to give me a reason why putting it on would affect the wheel and the easiest way is you take the tires off the wheels and spin them and, you know, in theory, a wheel by itself on a balancer should balance out within a quarter of an ounce, if that. A good wheel runs true. It won't, it won't take more weight than that. So at that point, then, you know, put the tire on. Is there a tire there that, you know, requires excess weight? Uh, you know, generally, a good set of tires are two ounce or less. You know, if we've got a tire here that's taking, you know, three, four ounces, yeah, three, four ounces, even though it does balance out, doesn't make it okay, if you get what I'm saying. There may be some other circumstances right. that create this. Now, the other thing your mechanic can try if he sees too much hop or too much rise in a tire, you know, it, it spins, but it spins um, elliptically or, you know, it looks oblong, is take the tire off the car, deflate it, mark it spin it 180 degrees or spin it 90 degrees 
and does it change the way it balances? Does it change the way the car ride, the tire rides on the rim? It may, it may or may not. Yeah, well, tomorrow uh, I'd already psyched myself up. I was going to drive back to New Hampshire to Costco and do some shopping and see if they can find anything wrong with it. They rotate them. Because uh, I called them right away when I first purchased the tires and told them about the issue, and they made a note. Right. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but when I find out, because uh, I'll call you back and let you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think you're going to find that they're going to replace the tires if they if they find a defect. My experience has been um, the Costco's and the giant tire stores of the world. They're not going to so much diagnose it other than. Uh, probably replace it to see that's their method of diagnosis not to pick on them but it's just what i've experienced because the the level of technician there they can change a tire they can torque a wheel hopefully they can put air in it but beyond that um, just be aware that they're probably going to come back to you and say hey we changed this tire this tire is bad and um you yeah. know or, or we changed all the tires which and, and to that point you don't care you just want a car that rides smoothly going down the road right it doesn't matter beyond that right well i don't know if if when they rotate them if they leave the tires on and it runs fine with it once they're back on the front, will the will the tires affect the rear end if they're out around or something? Well, yeah, um, there'll be more of a vibration through the seat of your pants than they will through the steering wheel. Okay. So you know, yeah, moving moving the tire from the front to get rid of the vibration in the steering wheel doesn't make it doesn't make the problem better it just makes it go to the other end of the car um you know and then that then that starts to rattle and affect you know the rest of the vehicle and you know at some level creates vibration and 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 problems as well you ever see a car going down the interstate and you know it's it's you don't see it as nearly as much as as we once as you once did but you'll see it going down the highway at 60 70 miles an hour and one of the tires is physically bouncing like a basketball I have. Okay. And, and, you know, that's a bad shock or a severely out-of-balance tire or a bad tire or a combination of all three. The impact that that is having on the rest of the drivetrain, the harmonics and the distortion that's in effect that is affecting the drivetrain, and yet the driver is oblivious. They're, or, you know, they're just driving along as if there's nothing wrong in the world. Sooner or later, that action whether it's the extreme of seeing it physically bounce down the road or whether it's a low-level vibration such as you're experiencing, at some at some point that will fatigue and create other issues for the vehicle. It's not good in any sense of the word, and that's why it's got to get resolved. All right, well, I've got 345,000 miles on it, and it rides perfect, really, except for that little irritant and I know it's there right. in my imagination. While you're while you're up there at Costco, if if it becomes a case of having to switch tires, see if they carry general. Take a look at some of the general tires. And and, all right. and and I say this in all sincerity, general does make a very good tire and it's something that when I go to sell tires today, uh, you know, I will pick a general over many of the other brands simply because of their availability and how they ride. After installing the general tires on the little shop truck, huge difference um, compared to what was on there. And, you know, the tires that were on there were, were older. They were probably four, five, six years old. I'm trying to remember now that generals have been on there a year, and I've got absolutely no complaints from a personal point of view. Made the vehicle respond and ride that much better. And you can imagine this is 
you know, this is the shop beater. This is the truck we, um, you know, everybody's in and out of and hauling parts. And, uh, you know, we require it to do a lot of things. And that General Tire is holding up very well and gives a very good ride. So take a look at the Generals and see if Costco has access to that. All right. And I'll let you know as soon as I get this yeah. issue solved. Get it resolved. And if you want some education okay. about General, get out to GeneralTire.com beforehand before you go visit All Costco. Right. and. um That'll uh, that'll help get you um, where you want to be as far as education. I appreciate the call, Ron. Good luck to you, and uh, let us know what, what happens by all means. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Hey, Ron and Annie the Car Doctor rolling along this hour. Let's uh, get over and talk to Lee in Maine, 06 Toyota Camry. Lee, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Well, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. I have a 2000 um, Camry <clears throat> six-cylinder, and I driving down. Well, I put it in drive, and it goes into gear. The light doesn't come on or anything. I goes into gear, and then about half a mile down or a quarter of a mile down, it kicks in again. What do you mean it kicks in again? Well, it, it, it's it feels like it goes into gear again. Oh, well, like, in other words, you put it into gear, you're driving down the road, and then it feels yeah, like it's it, fine. It, it goes into gear like it's supposed to. Right. And then it does it again, like down the, down the road a little bit. Uh, so, in other words, you're saying it feels like it goes into neutral and then comes back into gear again. Yeah. Okay. So, and no dashboard warning lights on? No. No check engine light, no, no, no other indicators, no other issues. Well, it could be a lot of things. I would do the easy things first. I would have somebody check fluid level and fluid. make sure the fluid level is good. And then by all means, I would have someone scan for fault codes in all the vehicle controllers. And I don't mean... Scan for, for what? For fault codes. In other words, do a diagnostic on it. Just, just okay. and, and when I say that, I don't mean go down to the local auto parts store and have them scan it for engine codes. I would have someone scan all the vehicle controllers. Um, how many telephones do you have in your house, Lee? How many what? Telephones. I have three. Okay. So you've got three phones or three modules, all right? Cars today have similar situations. They have cars today can have up to a hundred modules. So when I say scan all the vehicle modules, I mean I want a scan tool that will talk to each computer or module on the vehicle to see if there are any faults in it because faults for transmission can be in a transmission module, it can be in an instrument cluster, it can be in a multitude of places. If we're looking for information, I don't want you to just have the engine controller scanned and only look at that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, uh, well, you know, I, it wasn't that long ago, maybe uh, two, three months ago, I took it in for, um, oh, shoot. Uh, and and they, they did a, a scan. Right. And nothing showed up. Okay. Did you, did you have the problem then? Uh, yes. So the prop, but, but the, it's more so now than it was before. Okay. Well, if it's more prominent now, now that, it, and it's not that I'm going to say, well, if it has no fault codes, then the problem doesn't exist. But that gives me a path of diagnosis because the fact is, um, if if we scan it now when the problem is more prominent uh -huh. and there's nothing there and trans fluid level is good, then the next step is someone's going to have to start to look at some of the electronic operation of that transmission as far as, okay, it's slipping how much, and then that will determine 
to what point we go. Is this an internal trans problem requiring it to be disassembled, or is this an external sensor that's creating the condition, causing the problem all by itself? So that's why I say a little bit of diagnosis before we before we, you know, go any further with it. Hey, Lee, let me, let me put you on the side for a minute if I can. I know you've got a second part to your question or a second question. I don't want to rush it. Let me just put you to the side. Let me pull over and do what I have to do, and we'll be back right after this. I'm running Amy in the car, Doctor. Don't go anywhere. Hey, welcome back. Ron Amy in the car, Doctor. We've got Lee from Maine on the phone. Lee, you're still there? Yes. You had a second question. What was I it? I do. Um, Ron, I still have that Dodge Stratus I called you a few months back. Okay. It's a 2000 Dodge Stratus, and it's kind of similar to what's happening with the Camry in that it doesn't go into gear at all, um, it, but it does have a tranny leak. Do you think that if I fix that, it would take care of that? Well, it depends on how bad the leak is. If the leak... Not ha- bad. Not too bad. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's sort of a similar diagnosis. Right. Flu- fluid level. All right. Uh-huh. We, we want to make sure there's enough fluid in the trans. We okay. want to know. We want to know if there's any fault codes in the trans. All right. All right? Um, we're we're kind of curious in that. Does it go into or is it going into what we call limp in mode? This particular trans has the ability that if it had a, um, for lack of a better word, if it had a a meltdown of sorts out on the road, it would bring you home. It goes into limp in. We call it. It lets you drag itself home. Uh, uh-huh. You know, at, at some level or speed, and it will set fault codes for that. So it's it's really it's going to be a two for one diagnosis when you when you when you get it down to the mechanic that they go through both episodes. Now, just keep in mind that if the Stratus needs a trans, you've got to look at the age of the car. It's only it is six years older than the than the Toyota, um, and I'm not discounting its its value, but I'm just saying that it is now coming up on 18 years old. Uh, it is a V6, if I remember correct. This is this is the 2.5 it's a, it's V. It's a 3.4. Okay, all right, and uh, this is a 3.46. So you know, it just to put a trans in that's going to be a pretty penny if that's what it needs. So just move cautiously. This could be electronic again. This could be something external, and this could be sensors also. But until somebody goes through and diagnoses it, was it just you woke up one day and um, it just didn't work, Lee? Yeah, it was. I was coming back from the mall. I I, I drive it now and then, you right. know, just to keep it going. Right. The bat so the battery doesn't die. Right. I was coming back from the mall and it just put it in gear, thinking I was waiting for it to 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 go into second, and it never did. It just I came home that way. Right. And you know, it could be it could be something as simple as uh, the filter failed and it's it's drawing air and. Um, but you know, again, until we start a diagnosis, the trans filter inside, you know, the pickup, right? Okay. You know, could there be a filter problem with this too? So some pretty, I'll tell you what, it's interesting. Lee, you've got, um, you know, you've got, you've got similar problems. It's going to be similar diagnostics. I'm betting probably similar results and similar outcomes. Once you get it done though, make me a promise. Give me a call. Let me know what the outcome was. Let me know what the results were. I'm curious and uh, I'll help you whatever I can from there. Till that time, I'm Ron Anany and the car doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.